Hey everybody, thanks for hanging out with me for just a couple of minutes. Here, our focus is being better and healthier than yesterday. Are you better? Are you healthier than you were yesterday? Here, we don't compare ourselves to him or to her. We compare ourselves to who we were yesterday. Self-improvement has no end. Health has no finish line. There are lifelong journeys where we take it one day at a time, and here we do it together. So let's do this. Before I get into the main content, if you want to get in contact with me, email and Instagram are the best ways to get in contact. Email me at benpagedc at gmail.com and on Instagram, benpagedc. And if you listen to this, go to Instagram, tag me on the episode, and I'll tag you right back and we get to know each other. I love to get to know the community and I would love to get to know you. So let's get on to the main content. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Wellness Farmer podcast. And again, I'm bringing on a guest and I love talking to my guests because usually I learn more than anything than anyone. So again, I'm bringing on a, a wonderful guest. It's someone that I've been I've been reading her her stuff for quite a while now and it's very interesting. It's getting more and more interesting how she brings light into this world that looks just more and more dark. So I'm, I'm so excited to have my guest on. Her name is Ali Zek. Um, you might remember the last name Zek because I, I talked to her son about a year ago. So that's, I'm bringing, now I'm bringing Alex's mother on and she's going to give her story, which is really interesting. And but I'm going to, I'm going to let her talk about that. So um, Ali, would you like to start out by just giving an introduction and, and then your whole story and how you got to where you are today? Yes, thanks, Ben, and thank you so much for having me on. I am—I um, was telling you earlier—it's very interesting to me um, watching my story unfold, even from my awareness, because the farther I get away, you know, from what I went through, and the more um, farther down the path of healing I get, my awareness still shifts and changes as to what happened to me and what I see happening out in the world. And it actually gets, I think, quite a bit worse um, when I look back on what I actually went through um, at the hands of Big Pharma and allopathic medical system. Um, the, the more I heal, the more I realize how very lucky I am to be alive um, and to have survived it. And then also to have the awareness um, that I do of, of what really happened to me. Um, so my story is I was um, placed on psychiatric drugs when I was in college. Um, I think looking back now, I just had some anxiety from being in a new environment. I didn't have good study skills or habits. Um, I got very overwhelmed with all of my you know, stuff. I came from a very performance-based family where I was expected, um, you know, I put that expectation on myself to be perfect, look perfect. I did some modeling in high school and college. Um, and, and, you know, very, very high performance uh, externally. And I got there and just got really, really overwhelmed. I got into a very abusive, abusive and toxic relationship um, that I ended up, you know, marrying that person. Um, extremely um, attractive to me because it very much mirrored my childhood wounds and things like that. So I, I ended up going to a eating disorder clinic in Wichita, Kansas. And there they told me that I had, you know, bulimia. Um, which I did. I'd been using um, food and exercise and throwing up in order to, to basically control my environment because I felt, I felt so out of control. 
And there was, it's crazy now looking back again, my awareness only gets better. There was no talk of meditation, you know, no talk of like childhood woundings, patterns, traumas, anything like that. It was, I don't even know if they did blood tests, you know, blood work on me, but it was like, you know, here's Prozac. This is a really up and coming drug. Uh, Prozac was a second generation SSRI that had just been released. I think, you know, a couple of years before. So you're like, this has shown great promise um, for, you know, eating disorders and they just started me on it. And it's a really big deal because that's what really just gave me this label and the stamp in my psyche and my soul that I had mental illness. I just 100% accepted it. I knew I didn't feel right. Right. And, and so it was just like, when someone says to you, this is what's wrong with you. It's all, you know, kind of makes you feel good. Like, Oh, now I know what's wrong. Let's address the problem. And, and then I can be on my way. So that was a big deal. I, I call it now like kind of a missed opportunity because what, what should have happened not knowing what I know now is we should have talked about why are you in this abusive relationship? Let's talk about your childhood. Let's look at those patterns. Um, you know, let's talk about meditation. Let's talk about study skills. Let's talk about grounding your body, eating, you know, a very high conscious diet. And, and there was none of that. It was literally just drugs um, and, and, and mental illness, you know, the stamp of mental illness. So that proceeded to uh, preceded, you know, years of me being on and off these drugs. And it really got bad again when I was around 30. Um, my husband at the time had a very destructive um, affair with a, a much younger person while I was pregnant um, with one of our kids. And there was a lot of physical abuse, um, a lot of emotional abuse. And um, we ended up separating and he moved in. We were in, we were living way across the country with no family around. He ended up moving in with this young person, and I was left on my own with you know two kids pregnant. Went to my gynecologist, my OBGYN, and he basically said we need to put you back on Prozac. And again, there was like no talk of like why are you in this abusive relationship? What can we do to get you out of it? I did not have the family support system though because my family very much mirrored you know what I had married into. So you know, again, it was just the drugs as an out. And then I think based on that, there was a lot of physical abuse in my marriage, a lot of emotional abuse, many more affairs um, that were highly destructive. Um, one with a, a babysitter in our home for like 18 months. And, and so my point in telling you that is I, I began to accumulate a lot of very, very strong trauma, a, a lot of trauma. And so what happened is the trauma, you know, we have symptoms of trauma, and those can look like mental illness, you know, whatever mental illness is. Mental illness is nothing but a set of symptoms. Um, just like we see with what's going on in the world, the virus, they call it, those symptoms are real. People are experiencing symptoms, um, but there's really no official diagnosis. There's no official test that can really test for mental illness or for what's going on in the world. But we take these set of symptoms and we ascribe a label to it. So I accumulated more trauma. The trauma is getting pushed down because I'm not aware that I have it. I, I didn't aware, you know, was, I, I knew I'd been abused, but I wasn't aware it was creating this dynamic trauma in me. And then that, you know, would, would cause more drugs, more drugs, more anxiety. Um, and then I started to get, I think my, probably my hormones started to change around 35. And that's when I started to uh, make suicide attempts. And it was just such a, um, I really do call it like a brain being on fire. I mean, it was definitely a physical reaction, but the way that I was treated, 
was that it was a mental weakness on my part. Um, and that I was, um, you know, um, a bad mom, a terrible wife, you know, why are you doing this to your family? You have so much to be happy for. So again, that just accumulates, you know, more trauma. I mean, it was just literally like a bucket that things just kept getting dumped onto me again, more, you know, more affairs. Um, and, and again, I did not have the resources or the family support on my family side to leave. Um, I had nobody you know, saying, you don't have to put up with this. It was just more like make your family work fix yourself is really, you know, what it became. And my husband had gone to rehab. Um, and, and after he got out, it was like, you know, I was just expected to just move on and, and be happy. And I really did try that. And I didn't understand what was wrong with me. I was like, why can't I move on? You know, what is wrong with me? I had no concept of trauma. And unfortunately, like when I told you earlier about going to that eating disorder clinic, I just happened to get in with doctors, psychiatrists, and therapists that just were not trauma-informed whatsoever. And the main therapist that caused a lot of trauma and, and really is what I would call abuse um, was a family therapist. Um, she had her doctorate and um, she was very, very Christian and she knew the whole situation. Um, we saw her for years as a family and individually and as a couple. And she is the one that told me that I had flat out genetic mental illness um, that I would need to take a pill for the rest of my life. And then down the road, it got into, you know, you need to bless these pills. You need to be thankful for your, the pills and what they can do for you. I'd like for I want you to admit to me, Allie, say out loud, I have genetic mental illness. I will need these pills for the rest of my life. Um, you know, you're causing your family a lot of pain and suffering. Your husband can only put up with so much. Um, you really need to get your stuff together. How is this time going to be any different? You know, you promise you've changed before. And then as it got later on, I was, you know, working full-time jobs and things like that. She was criticizing me in front of my husband at the time that I would come home and want to take a nap, um, that that was really, really lazy and, you know, not very fair and that that was very unattractive to my husband. You know, now again, my awareness, I'm like, wow, you know, I had trauma. My adrenals were probably just burnt out. <laughs> Literally was, you know, but it's like the level of just, you know, ignorance that I perceived as cruelty because it was cruel, um, but it's really more just ignorance on her part and, and on all of our parts was, you know, devastating um, at, at my level to me individually and then to, you know, my children and my family too. So it really kind of, got to a climax for me, I'd say my breakdown came in 2014. Um, there was just a lot of tension in my, in my home. And I had started a new job that was very, very stressful. And um, I just really turned to more drugs. At that time, I was taking um, benzodiazepines, Xanax at the time. And it was just this constant, um, you know, um, back and forth of being on these drugs and then going through withdrawal um, quickly from them because I'm a rapid metabolizer and I don't want to get too scientific for people, but basically the way my genetics work is that I metabolize some drugs, not at all. And others I metabolize very, very quickly and everybody does it differently. But with Xanax, I was metabolizing them very, very quickly. So I was in withdrawal from them, which is really dangerous uh, benzo withdrawal. I was in withdrawal from them before it was even time to take the next prescribed dose. So I was having these constant, just bottom falling out from me, mood fluctuations, like insane. And um, 
in 2015, I ran out of them uh, on a Saturday morning or on a Friday night. I took my last one. I was at a gas station and I had my last one in my pocket. And again, not knowing, I thought, you know what? I know that these aren't good for me. I'm just going to quit taking them. Um, I don't need them. It's probably a good sign. I don't need them. I had zero idea um, on how dangerous. And I want to caution your viewers that if anybody's taking any type of psychiatric medication, you, you never want to stop taking them cold turkey. It's extremely dangerous. Very, very dangerous. So the next morning I was out of them and now I'm in withdrawal from them. And I wake up and my head is literally on fire. Um, I don't drink at all, but we did have wine in the house. And I remember it was like nine o'clock in the morning. And all I knew how to do was go in and pour myself a, bottle, a glass of wine to get my body to calm down. It, it, it was, I can't even describe to you physically. It feels like your brain is on fire. It, it feels like your blood is boiling in your veins. Like you can feel it boiling in your veins. And then mentally I was through the roof. I mean, I was just beside myself had a family physician that lived down the street, come over. He was like, you know, this is your mental illness you've been suffering from. And, you know, we had friends over um, and then everybody was like, you know, there's something really wrong with you. And I waited a week before I went to the hospital. Um, and that week was, uh, you know, probably one of the most insane experiences of my life. It was um, huge. It was acute benzo withdrawal, cold turkey benzo withdrawal, which they say, um, is worse than coming off of heroin. It can also cause cardiac arrest. It, it's really, really dangerous. And again, I did not know at the time. Um, hallucinating, there was a man chasing me around my bedroom, screaming at me. Um, I slept, I think, seven or four hours and seven days. And so finally, on a Saturday, I took my, you know, I had someone drive me to the hospital. And I would love to validate for people that have been in mental institutions or psych, you know, psychiatric hospitals at least for me, when you've been in one once and you have to go back again, to me, that was the ultimate sign of failure um, because you're basically admitting that you're just majorly screwed up and that, you know, what you thought was wrong with you, you haven't fixed. And so I, I let myself, you know, I, I said, I need to go back because I thought I was going to have a heart attack. That's how overwired I was and frenet you know, frenetic energy. And at the hospital, I've written about this several times. Um, they asked me what I was on and I told them and I was shaking. And I said, I think, you know, I'm in benzo withdrawal. And there was a psych intake nurse um, that you know, looked at my, what I was on. And I wasn't on a lot um, of, of uh, Xanax, but everybody is different. And she, she really did. She laughed at me and she, she said, there's something wrong with you, but you're not in benzo withdrawal. So I waited, I, I spent the night in the hospital the next day I'm up on the psych ward and the, the um, resident psychiatrist shows up and no exaggeration. He sits with me for about 15 minutes. Now I'm, I'm in full blown benzo withdrawal, which is actually a physical um, withdrawal that you go through. It's so intense that Jordan Peterson, you know, the, the sociologist, his family flew him when he was in benzo withdrawal, his family flew him to Russia and put him into a medically induced coma to get him through the benzo withdrawal. So I'm sitting in a room with a psychiatrist and he's asking me questions like, do you like to drive fast? Do you like roller coasters? Do you spend money um, a lot? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I do all that. And he was like, you know, you're bipolar. Then they proceeded to put me on five drugs that day, new drugs, um, dumped me on all of them and told me I was bipolar. I was taken into a room, strip searched, 
looked for things in my orifices, you know, and on scars and the tattoos and noted everything on my body, um, stood there naked. And it was one of the most dehumanizing experiences I've ever had in my entire life. And, um, stayed there 18 days, which is really, really long to be in a, in a psych hospital and got out and was on this new concoction of drugs. Um, stayed on that from like August until the following like April and was taken back to the hospital um, in April um, for massive psychosis. This was a different hospital. And this is the hospital where I spent about two days um, ripping up bed sheets. I would, they had some really cheap sheets in the hospital and I would cough as I ripped up the bed sheet into strips and I would cough so the nurses wouldn't hear me. And it took me about two days to build a rope of tying these strips together. And there was a bolt on the window, um, like that held the valance, a really thick bolt. And I hung the sheet over that and, uh, you know, tied it around my neck and walked off and the bolt did not hold, um, in the window. I, I got out of that hospital and my husband at the time was looking for, um, long-term care facilities to put me in. Cause I clearly, you know, could not be by myself. And, um, I also want to point out that when I was on that five, those five drugs, you know, from the bipolar, I cold Turkey off of those as well. Um, after I got out of that psych hospital, I was seeing a therapist at the time, a new one in Kansas city. I don't even know how I found her. And she said to me one day, you know, I just, this book just came out by this doctor. Her name is Kelly Brogan. Um, it's called a mind of your own. And I've been reading it, Allie. And I really think you should try to go to New York city and see her. And I can only call it divine, um, you know, guidance Ben, because, um, you know, I saw that therapist. She mentioned Kelly's book. One time I made a call to Kelly's office. Um, they called me back and, um, got me in within like three weeks, I think. And, just fast forward two months later, there was about a two year waiting list to get into Kelly. Um, once her book kind of blew up. So, and I was able to get in, it may have been a month, but it was not very long at all to get into her. So I traveled from Kansas city, uh, to New York city to see her. It's funny story because it was actually Alec, you know, my son, his graduation from West point was that same weekend. And I spent, I'd say 80% of, of his graduation weekend in my car screaming and crying and I couldn't get out of the car. The agoraphobia was, agoraphobia was so bad. Um, I just, I, I was frozen, very suicidal. Got to Kelly's office on Monday and um, walked in. And I mean, it really, the rest is really history because she saved my life. And um, she is a doctor that it's, it's really difficult for me to watch her um, be smeared and so vilified by, you know, the current narrative and the people behind it. Because had it not been for Kelly Brogan, I would be dead. And not only would I be dead, um, you know, my grandchildren would be vaccinated. Um, my daughter, I know for sure, Emma, would be on drugs because she was on drugs at the time. We thought she was bipolar. Um, my kids would have had this belief that we had genetic mental illness, just like I thought, um, that their mom committed suicide and was just basically, you know, really messed up. And because of Kelly, you know, and her work and doctors like her, my entire reality, right, was completely flipped around, um, you know, come to find out it's, you know, I'm five years off of any type of psychiatric medications. I take zero 
medications and I have zero signs. It's funny now, but I mean, zero signs of mental illness at all. And so what, what had transpired was just a very, very long history of, you know, family trauma, um, family patterns that were really toxic and unhealthy the way we you know, relate on an interpersonal level, um, bad health. You know, I didn't eat healthy at all. I would eat things that were very, um, inflammatory to me. And I, and I am somebody that I do have to be really careful what I eat that I just know that's how my body, you know, is built. Um, and you know, then also being in an abusive marriage, very, very emotionally and physically abusive. Um, and then the drugs, the drugs were, I think the main reason, uh, before the psychosis it's, it's laughable to me that these drugs have black box warnings on them, um, you know, that they cause, um, homicide, you know, homicidal thoughts, um, suicidal thoughts, and we're still, you know, prescribing them. And we, we think that they're going to help us with something. There's just, they're not helping at all. So that, you know, that's my story in a nutshell. Um, there's a, you know, there's a lot more to it. A lot, a lot of pain, um, a, a, a ton of pain. Um, it took me about three years of literally being on my bathroom floor, just breaking down and crying. You know, my, my husband, after I got off of the, when I was in the full-blown drug withdrawal, he ended up having his last affair and, you know, left our family, um, lied about it, smeared me, you know, just basically financially abused me. Um, and just threw me to the, you know, the curb in a really, really horrendous way. And I, I do have compassion for him because, um, he has a lot of trauma, a lot of trauma um, that he has not really acknowledged. And I, and I call that, you know, that's to me what I call someone with a high narcissistic um, traits. Um, I, I know narcissism gets a really you know big label. It's very trendy right now. But to me, narcissism is just someone with really unacknowledged trauma that they're not able to look at. And so they operate from a set of beliefs that nothing's wrong with them um, and lots of deflection and blame, blaming of other people. And so that's what happened. It was, um, you know, when he left, it was um, massively painful to me, um, extremely hurtful, plus being in the, um, you know, the drug withdrawal. I will say in his defense, being married to someone in drug withdrawal is, is not at all fun. I can't even imagine what that would have been like for him because I know how bad I was. Um, but also there was just the combination of the trauma before that too, that was accumulating and, it, you know, our, the end of our marriage was not handled and our family was not handled in a respectful um, or compassionate way whatsoever. So, you know, that's that's my story. And it's it's as I sit here, you know, and reflect on my story and, and you know, like I said, get farther away in my healing and then reflect on what's going on in the world. I realize after everything I've gone through that I'm really, really lucky to be alive Um I have many friends um, I can count, you know, close to 20 friends that I've known, you know, mainly through social media, but we're in benzo groups or mental illness groups and they've all killed themselves. Um, you know, they ended up committing suicide um, while they were on these drugs or coming off of them. And so I know in that respect, I'm, I'm really lucky to be alive, but then I also am really lucky because I'm aware, you know, I think there are a lot of people that um, will go to their graves being in abusive relationships and not know that's what's causing them to be suicidal or to be so unhappy, or they will be on these drugs and not realize, you know, these drugs are really making my mental illness worse. So, you know, I escape with my life, but I also escape to this place where I have 
you know, a, a lot of awareness of what actually happened to me. And that way I can get under it all. And I'm able to really make solid changes in my life. Um, you know, painful, it was painful to do all of that, but I wouldn't trade it for the world because now I'm not, I'm not at the position as you see everyone else in this narrative, right. That's following this in the world. They are under the control of other people, you know, whether it be governments, pharma, you know, boosters, you know, we got to keep following this. I'm, I'm not under that control anymore. I don't, I'm not, I don't rely on another person that's abusive to take care of me. I don't rely on a drug, you know, to take care of me or make me feel better. Um, so I'm super blessed, you know, I'm super blessed and, and, and my kids are blessed because we, we have this awareness that not a lot of people, um, you know, will, will ever have in their lifetimes. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I listened to the story. Well, first I just, wow. But at the same time, I look at the decades, I mean, the decades of what we can call abuse and, mm -hmm. and it took you, it took your body, what, five years to recover or, I mean, it, I mean, it just, it, it's, it, it's incredible how wonderful the body truly is. Yeah. I mean, so you can go through decades of all that and in mm -hmm. just, in just a matter of years, mm -hmm. you, can, you, you can feel how you feel right now. And, and you can, well, and that's, uh -huh. it, it's, it's really interesting because it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because in full, you know, full disclosure to your listeners, my body is the last one to catch up mentally. I'm very, very solid spiritually. I'm extremely grounded. My body physically is, is really still in a large state of disrepair and one of the things I'll point out too, another way that I was duped by the pharmaceutical system is I, um, in 2013, I got breast implants, um, you know, in order to save this marriage, my ex-husband had told me that, um, this, you know, influencer named Dan Bilzerian, who is a guy like a billionaire that's always on yachts with young girls flocking around him. He made a comment to me and my kids once that that was his idol. You know, he wanted to be like this guy. And, and of course, here I am trying to keep this marriage together that shouldn't have been together anyway. But so I went out and got breast implants also from, you know, growing up, you know, my mom had me modeling and doing things like that. So it wasn't just my husband's fault. It was my fault, you know, that I bought into this and, and felt I needed to do this. So I got breast implants and um, in, in March of just of this year, I was really, really struggling physically, um, big symptoms of fibromyalgia, lots of body pain. I had assumed it was trauma because trauma can definitely do that. Um, my daughter-in-law, Kylie, Alex's wife is really, really good at detoxing. And she's the one that figured out it was, it was uh, my breast implants. And it's funny when I looked them up, my breast implants were actually recalled in 2017. Um, they are the ones that cause breast cancer. And that, that opened up a whole nother just rabbit hole for me of like, oh my God, like this is insane that, you know, and I'm sitting in the doctor's office for the consult to get them out and they're still advertising to put them in, you know, and it's like such a mind, um, you know, gap for me to like, look at this and um, underwent like a six hour surgery in June of this year to get them out. And so now, now I'm finally able, I think I've, you know, uncovered all of those, those, um, holes that may be hindering my physical body healing 
And that's where I'm at right now. I'm really trying to embark on really working on my physical body and getting it to heal. Oh yeah. And, and then what I love about health is it's a lifelong journey. So it's never yes. like you're going to get there. You're, you, you continue to work on it daily. It's, 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 it's our, it's our activities that we, that we, that we do every day. I mean, it's the decisions we make every day and the more decisions we make that are healthy, the, the, the better we will, the better we'll be as, as time goes on. But just, I mean, yeah, that it just is crazy how, how that happens. And usually the physical symptom is, is one of the first things to go away. However, you were really healed spiritually and emotionally. And well, at least yeah. you felt a lot better emotionally and spiritually first. Isn't it's It's crazy how every person is individual. We all have to basically do the same things to be healthy, but each one goes through it individually and distinctly. And I just love it. That's what I love about health. And that's why I love working with people and trying to help them heal because it's different every time. It's, it's never going to, it's never going to be the same. What a, what an, what a story. But when we get to the point where now you're at a point where you're helping so many other, like me, so many other people see what's going on. See that you, and so it's not only that you saved your, your, your life, you saved the life of your kids, maybe in, in certain ways and, and, and how they're going to continue to live in this world. But now you're able to also help many other people through your words and, 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 and your actions. And I'd like to talk a little bit about that because we're in a situation now where as, as, as you know, and as many people know, I mean, health is continually going down and spiraling. You were, you were the opposite. You were spiraling down, but then you went right back up. You took, you took a different way. And most people are not taking that. And we can see, we see how most people or more and more people are just becoming more and more sick. If it's not mentally, it's physically, but we see it both. It's, it's just crazy. And we could talk about the statistics and all the numbers, but there's no need for that because we know what's going on. I mean, so you're helping quite a bit and I love how you're opening up and you're talking about what's going on with all these companies and all these, in all these people that are involved. I'd like to talk a little bit about that too. And, and what's been going on these last two years. Um, what's your take on, on what's going, what's been going on? It's, you know, in, in 2019, when it was actually 2018, I had my kids and I, we had finally figured out that we had trauma, you know, we made it to a trauma therapist and he was like, has anyone ever told you you had trauma? And it was like, again, kind of like a Kelly Brogan moment where I was like, uh, no, like I had no clue. Um, and so that's when we were all working on our trauma and we were deep, deep in the trauma work. And I said to my kids one day, you know, I really feel like something big we're being primed for something big, something very, very big is going to happen. And so in early 2020, when this all started, I knew, I knew right away. Um, I had some people that I was really close with start to back away from Kelly Brogan because she was really kind of starting to talk about this narrative. And I immediately was right with her, like, oh my God, I see what's going on. And it's very, when you've been abused and gaslit, and lied to, it's a really odd feeling that it creates inside of you. And I recognized that right away when I saw what was going on, even down to like watching people in China fall over and faint or fall over the street and die. I, I just knew right away that was not true. I could tell it was just, um, you know, made up. And, and so I, I jumped on that right away because I could make the parallel from what I went through. And so a lot of when I write a post, 
is, is I'm basically kind of talking to myself 10 years ago and saying, how do you not see this? You know, what are you seeing? Because those people, I have a ton of compassion for them. Um, they're just, you know, a little bit farther behind in their journey, right. Of, of coming into that awareness, just like you and I have that awareness. And like you said, I think it's such a great point. Everyone's journey to awareness is, is very, very different. It's very individual. And so they're just, they're a little bit farther behind. It doesn't mean that we're better or they're worse. They're just a little bit farther behind in, in, in gathering that awareness and stepping into it. So when I write my posts or I you know, come up with something, it's I'm really kind of in a way talking to an older version of myself and saying, you know, here's this, here's this, you need to face this. Um, because one of my biggest things that kept me from, you know, achieving that awareness was there was stuff I did not want to face. I did not want to face that I shouldn't have been married to that person. I was really, really in love with him um, and, uh, you know, in love with him in the way I understood, you know, love to be um, based from a very dysfunctional childhood, but I was still very in love with him. I was also very dependent on having a man because um, I watched my mom, you know, do that with my dad. And so there were all of these kind of like, um, you know, blind spots, I call them, or biases that I was carrying around that I wasn't aware of. And so that's what I'm pointing out to people is like, here's a blind spot. You know, here's a blind spot. Your fear of death is a huge blind spot that you need to integrate into your life because your fear of death is one of the main hooks that they keep you on. Um, because if they can keep you hooked to being scared of dying, then you're willing to do anything to keep your life, um, even losing your life. You know what I'm saying? So th those are the types of things that I'm talking to people, you know, when I'm writing is, is you need to, you need to face this. You need to do this. You need to look at this um, in order to really, really start living. And, and that's what we see basically through fear of something we can't see, which could maybe, we know that it probably won't nowadays, people have changed the way they live completely, um, completely. Mm -hmm. they, they basically close themselves off to everybody because of a, of a, of an unseen fear that basically will pretty much do absolutely nothing to you if if you're part of the 99.7 percent that 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 will overcome it fine and and and, and and at the same at the same time like you said we're all on this path and we've all seen things and some people are just behind and some people are in front of me I mean a lot of people know a lot more than me yeah. they're, they're they're further ahead than I am and we can't mm -hmm. and we can't we, we can't I guess we can say the word judge, but at the same right. time, um, don't stop speaking. Um, don't, don't, don't not be there. Um, open your mouth. And that's something that you're doing. And I imagine you're getting a lot of pushback too, for a lot of things that you're saying, but it's so important to speak. And I think that's one of the most important things we have to do today is mm -hmm. everyone needs to speak up and mm -hmm. don't be afraid. Like you're saying, and just speak up and, because I think the majority of people probably feel that this is not right, but they just yeah. continue because they don't know how to, or where or what to do. They just continue to do what they're being told to do. I don't know if you would, would if you think like that is this what's happening to, or what, what's your opinion? Why, why do why do you believe the majority of people continue just to follow what is being said, even though the, 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 the amount of evidence that shows contrary is incredible. For, for me, it was really, really difficult. I first started writing on you know my my page on Instagram and social media in 
2016 and I started writing about drugs, you know, psych drugs. And I was very angry. I was really, really unhealed at the time. And I was, you know, pissed off that I'd been put on these drugs and it was all a lie. And so I um, started writing on social media about the drugs. And then when I became um, more aware that I had trauma and that I had been abused, that's when I started writing about abusive relationships and abusive family systems um, that had really, really traumatized, you know, my, my own family growing up as well as the you know, family I married into were both very, very abusive in different ways. So I started writing about those. And then when this started coming up last year, I flipped to, you know, paralleling everything, um, bringing in big pharma, bringing in, you know, family generational trauma. Um, and, and to me, in order for us to overcome this, and persevere, we have to each individually do the work on our own um, to come to this place of, I call it rest, where I'm okay with dying. And I don't know if it's because I feel like I already died anyway, you know, I had really bad suicide attempts where I was done, you know, with this planet. And so in some ways, I feel like I kind of, you know, unhooked myself there, kind of crossed over, because I know now that when you die on this planet, it's an energy transfer. There's, there's something else way bigger than what we realize is going on, but they've conditioned us through, you know, massive amounts of propaganda and movies is a huge way. They, they program us to be terrified of death, that that's the end. And that is not the end, not even close. It's probably just the beginning, honestly. So it's, you know, your fear of death, it's your fear of illness. It's your fear of disease. It's your fear of being alone. Um, that was another one I had to really, really go through. I am a lifelong codependent. I always had a boyfriend, I think from the age of 12, you know, up until I'm 50 now, and I've always had a partner. And I will tell you, I did really, really hard work, Ben, um, for the last, you know, four years. And I absolutely love being single. Um, and I could never have imagined myself saying that, but it's to the point where I'm so empowered and, and so able to just really step in. Would I love to have a partner someday? Absolutely. But here's where I've made that crossover. I, I won't tolerate, you know, nothing better than the best, you know, the, the best compliment, um, you know, to me as a partner now. And I wasn't like that, you know, four years ago, I was willing to subject myself to abuse in order to be in that relationship. And so it's, it's all these, I call them hooks, biases, you know, blind spots that we don't see that we each have to do the work on. And um, because whatever those hooks are is what they're keeping you immobilized and paralyzed, you know, from, because you're too scared to be by yourself, or you're too scared of dying that you won't go out and live. Um, and, and those are the, that's the work. And it, it starts on the individual level. And once we do that individual level, you know, work on the inside, then we can go and broadcast it to, you know, the external world around us. Oh, yeah. And, and if you had to just give like one way that someone could start on that, 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 um, that journey, that individual journey, what's, what's one thing that you would say, what's one way that you could start on the individual journey? That's such a good question. Um, for me, whole hands, this is the way I understand it. And this has literally worked for me. To me, earth is a free will planet. Just as Christ said, you know, Jesus said in the Bible, asking you shall receive. This is a free will planet. And so whatever experience we're having, right, whatever simulation, you know, we're in, 
on this planet, having these experiences, we do not get helped unless we ask for help. And so that is one thing that I have learned to cultivate in myself is asking my guides, angels, God, you know, my higher self. Um, I'm constantly in conversation with them. Like, Hey, I am confused about this. Um, I need some clarity around this. I'm needing help here. And I do believe that we are divinely led uh, again, Kelly Brogan. I would never have you know, gotten into her so quickly, gone to this random therapist here in Kansas city that just happened to read her book. And I call and they get me right in and it's two month waiting list. You know what I mean? It's like, it's crazy, but then it's not, you know, that it, it was, it was so divinely led like that. And that's the one thing I would say to people is literally just plant that in your mind. You have to ask for help. We have to ask our guys for help. We have to say, Hey, show me the way. What am I supposed to be seeing here? What do you, what do I not want to see that I need to see? Uh, and so that's where I really have worked to cultivate this very strong sense of my intuition, um, and knowing and kind of really feeling into what I should be doing and if I'm off path or not, because this is the one thing that I really have learned too. when we are out of alignment, whether it's physically, um, you know, mentally, spiritually, that's when we experience disease or anxiety. And for me, I experienced massive amounts of anxiety, you know, my entire 27 year marriage, because I was out of alignment. I was not in the type of relationship that God would have wanted for me. I got, you know, four beautiful children out of it um, and a beautiful family. And I, and I learned a ton of things, you know, that's what brought me closer to God and to my mission, my purpose. So I'm so thankful for that experience, but looking back, you know, I was very much out of alignment and, and alignment, it physically, mentally, you know, spiritually causes us anxiety. And so that's the one thing is, you know, and so if you're experiencing anxiety, start asking for help, clarity, awareness, you know, help me see what I may not be seeing. I'm fully aware that I still have blind spots that I'm not able to see and that I, you know, maybe don't even want to look at, but I'm, I'm always asking for them to be revealed so that I can step into them. Oh. The second thing that I would say to people, and I said this on a um, documentary that Jeff Weitzman made called Beliefs and Stories. And it was, you know, we, we have to stop being so adverse to pain. And again, if you look at this, this agenda going on, nobody wants to feel uncomfortable feelings. Nobody wants to be scared. Nobody wants to be, um, you know, in pain. And that's one thing that I've really, really learned to embrace. And I would say that's been my biggest, um, like opening expansion of myself is learning to understand that pain is not to be feared. Um, if feeling uh, sad, you know, um, mad, angry, scared, those are not things to like, we, that we want to you know, opt out from and go drink or go eat or go into another bad relationship. We really want to walk into them and face them and, and open ourselves up and ask the question, what are you here to show me? You know, what are you here to teach me? How can I expand myself or my awareness by sitting in this pain and going into it instead of, you know, chop, you know, closing off from it and running and hiding, you know, and drugging or doing something else to, to shut ourselves down. Why not walk into that? Because my biggest growth came from the amount of pain that I went through. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's wonderful. I mean, ask for help. I remember I was talking to my brothers and we kind of talked about these things and we kind of get together and talk about these things. And, and we were saying, yeah, one of the hardest things to do is take the, take the, 
the load that we're carrying and ask for help. Mm-hmm. Pass that load on to Jesus. Pass that load on to him. Ask for that yeah. help so we can feel relieved. And, and it, is, it is incredible because I've been trying to do this more and more in my life is if I'm trying to pass that load onto him, trying to trust yeah. him enough where I don't need to carry this anymore. And, and personally, I have felt moments, of course, it's tough and it comes and goes, but moments of, of peace. It, it is, it's yeah. beautiful to ask for that help. So, and at the same time, yeah, going into those painful moments, sometimes even physical pain. I mean, I, oh, I go, I, I go, when I go out and work out, I mean, it can be painful physically, but I know mm-hmm. it's building me. So go into those mm-hmm. physical pains. I think those are two better in, incredible ways that we can start to figure out who we are and be able to trust yeah. ourselves more. And then, yeah, kind of leave what you're, what we're talking about today and, and find your true path for sure. I, I, I appreciate you coming on. I mean, this was a beautiful conversation, Ali. I appreciate your time. Um, I appreciate you willing to, to share your story with my listeners. Um, it's not easy. So I appreciate you coming on. Um, any last words and how can they get to know you more before we, we end this conversation? Well, I just want to tell you, thank you for having me on. I really, it really means a lot to me. And I also just want to let you know that it's, you know, practitioners and health you know, people like yourself that are really responsible for reshaping our world and the narrative um, and bringing people that are really, really suffering into health in different ways. Uh, all this is, 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 is a bunch of money. Um, you know, pharmaceuticals and our Western allopathic medical system is just based off of money and greed. And it's, you know, doctors like yourself that are really focused on true health and root cause and healing and getting down to it. And in order to do that, we do have to look at the emotional and the spiritual side of it as well. It all goes together. Um, so that's why I just want to you know, let you know how much of a difference people like you are making and how much I appreciate you guys. I, my biggest account right now is on Instagram. I have a you know, really good community that I've built there. Um, my kids and I are getting ready to come out with a Patreon um, you know, membership subscription just to give people more of an insight into our lives and how we've been able to do all of this. Um, and share, you know, more of our inside story. Cause we have a really, really cool story of not only each of us healing individually, but healing our family. I mean, there were times where we were not speaking to each other. Um, there was so much trauma, you know, my kids watched me go in and out of hospitals. And so I know a lot of parents have that grief and that regret and that shame. Um, and we've been really able to move through that and come into, you know, very much being able to love and experience each other. So it's a, it's a big story of healing um, that our whole family has. And again, I just have to say how blessed we are. Um, and I do thank God for that, that he had, you know, got us onto the path and, and we got ourselves onto the path and, and we're determined to stay there. Beautiful. And how, and what is your name on Instagram? So it's my- just, I have three accounts, um, always up for deletion. Um, but my main one is a pink circle. It's Allie.Zek. Uh, and it just has a pink circle with AZ and that's the best way to find me. Wonderful. Again, thanks for coming on. Please go follow Ali because she will help you open your mind. And it's important that we have our minds opened in these times where they're trying to be closed by media and by all the other people that have interests that really are not for our well-being. So again, thanks for coming on, Ali. Oh, thank you so much, Ben.